overcome with joy by the arrival of the Argentine summer. Welcome to Hand of Pod. seems to take a month and a half for spring to arrive and then it lasted about two days and now we're just into these 35 degree days with 125% humidity and whatnot. Um, but we are battling on anyway in the face of yet more power cuts across Buenos Aires tonight um, and we're recording at the same time as the, Cop- the Supercopa Argentina is being played between Boca Juniors and Arsenal de Sarandi. It's a match that's so prestigious that we're not even bothering to watch it whilst we record. Um, we're with English Dan in his living room. Hello. Or entrance lobby. Or it's a little. No, I think you've got a little. It's got cyclists, it's got chairs. Joel Richards. Hello. And again, for the second time, Jonathan Wilson. Hello. Welcome back. Um, Thank you. What have the big themes of, of the weekend been, guys? It seems like ages ago now. Sweat. Heat. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Undoubtedly. The sweat of the weekend in Argentine football. Quite an issue. Um, the Glasgow poker, San Lorenzo. Yeah. I missed it. I was at, uh, or on my way back from um, Argentinos Juniors against San Martín mm-hmm. match. An Argentinos match which saw goals the first time in almost a month. Um, and one of them was spectacular. Uh, but it did mean that I missed what, by all accounts, it was a magnificent performance from the next Riquelme, Leandro Paredes of Boca Juniors, who scored, uh, was it one golazo and one just normal goal, or was it two golazos? Cause I've, I've well, I think there was both goalkeeper. Both four goalkeeper, definitely. But, but decent hit. I mean, the second one was a decent hit. He hit it powerfully from, from outside the box. Um, so less of a mistake, more benefit for him. But, but really, both were mistakes by Migliori. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's a big fuss about him because in his final press conference, Riquelme said it's time for new players to come through and he named Paredes. He didn't say he's my successor, although everyone said he did. Um, but he did say that he, he'd highlighted him as one of the big talents. Um, we spoke about him last week, didn't we? But, um, but he, he looked excellent. He was actually, everyone said he's an enganche. He was actually kind of played on the left-hand side, but, but he moved in a lot naturally because that's where he's, he performs best. And he showed that. But it wasn't just him, though. It was Erdogan. In, in midfield to kind of hold him midfield role and also this, this lad they call El Inglis because he's called Guillermo Fernandez but his parents wanted to call him Paul were denied by the registry weren't allowed to give him an English name oh yeah this isn't allowed and, to be and so he's got a nickname Paul Criosho kind of pronunciation of Paul yeah well indeed and um, but the three of them anyway performed very well so sorry I'm a slight tangent what, what what's the Spanish way of saying Paul is it not just Pablo well Pablo, Pablo yeah, yeah, translation okay. yeah. yeah but, but the parents like Paul yeah. but as I said were, were not allowed to do so by the uh, by the registry office which it seems very uh, unoffensive yeah it's kind of very strict rules I think it's something like you can what only use list? yeah it's yeah. something like though, you can only use foreign names if your family comes from there so if he did have English heritage then they could use Paul apparently well, there's another one. Um, of Diosa, yeah. parents wanted to call him Jonathan, yeah. but he was born during the during the Falklands War, and um, they weren't. And during the dictatorship, they wouldn't let any English names yeah. um, because of because of the war. Right. So, um, so in, at home, apparently, they they call him Jonathan. His mates call him Jonathan, mm. even though he's actually Nestor. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Excellent. This yeah. is the kind of, of expertise. Yeah. And, in-depth knowledge you don't get elsewhere. But going back to Paredes a uh, second, because I've seen him, I can't claim to have seen him that much for Boca, like, you know, he's been used quite sparingly and I think I've missed a lot of the games he has played, I think. Uh, would you say you can draw parallels with Riquelme or are they kind of two very different players that are going to be lumped together anyway? Arguably a young Riquelme, because everyone right. says, oh, Riquelme's slow and doesn't run. But he wasn't, which, no. which, first of all, is not the case. And tell me if it is the case, it's really the case in his late 20s when he had injuries and, and the last couple of years, say. But I mean, the young Riquelme was, was very dynamic and was all over the pitch. And so, in that sense, uh, probably so. But, but again, you know, comparing him immediately, he, he's played what? I don't know if he's played 10 games yet for, for the Boca first team. And it's very early to, 
to put that kind of pressure on a player. Um, that said, obviously he's going to leave very soon. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's the, the real sadness of Argentinian football, yeah. isn't it? That, yeah. um, yeah, we, we know Juventus are very, very interested. Uh, what I hear, a you know, 10 million euro deal is has been agreed in principle. So I think that speaks very highly though of, of the player and, and you know obviously the esteem that he's held in by not just a Boca but, but abroad obviously because the ten million is a lot of money. It's not few players go for that kind of money. True. But then the thing I was thinking kind of even with the I mean basically their budget and football powers have gone five times most mm. clubs, right? Yeah, yeah. And yet even then they can't hold on to promising teenagers beyond the age of eighteen, nineteen. Yeah. And then actually, the, the, the contrasting example um, is Jackie Ferreira. He scored his first ever hat trick on Saturday night for Vélez, so they won 5 1 at, at uh, Arsenal. And you know, 21, he's already, people come into talking about him as being over the hill that he should have left if he's going to leave. Yeah. Which is absolute crap, to be honest. Absolute garbage. Mm. But people are saying it, they are saying it, but it's yeah, 21 feels not natural age for talent yeah. players still to be here. Yeah. But it just shows, and for me it shows... 15 it. years ago it would have been yeah. completely normal for... Well, Maradona played, how many yeah. seasons in the first, in the first decision? Like five seasons. Five seasons yeah. he yeah. played, I think, and many people still say that the best Maradona, the best version of Maradona was at Academos Juniors, his first club. Um, I mean, but there are millions of examples. Redondo didn't leave until he was 24. Yeah. Um, and obviously had injuries which, which stopped his career slightly but I mean um, he was still a fantastic player obviously for, for the biggest clubs in Europe so um, you're right about this idea that oh you said 20 and you know, Sanchez Mina is the same as 22 and it's like, old so, well it's perfect actually yeah. because they've got 10-15 not... years of career left and yeah. I think even especially for kind of centre forwards number nines like, uh, like Ferreira it's even more important they stay because they're the kind of players that need to they develop I'd say number nines probably develop more slightly in general than almost any other position on the pitch, with the exception of possibly goalkeepers, central defenders, because they just need time, you know, getting that, you know, knack of scoring goals, that rhythm. Type of player. I think yeah. if, a, if a pace player, say like Michael Owen, something like that. Yeah, they can make an impact. But yeah, if you're more of a traditional player, 6'1", 6'2". Yeah, he's quite a big boy, he's got a nice touch and he finishes well, but he's not, yeah, he's not Michael Owen, he's not a player who's going to... Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I saw him in the 20 World Cup last year. Oh, fantastic. Movement was really good, just... Created space for others. Um, the link up between him and uh, Lamella, I thought, was excellent. Yeah. Him pulling left, Lamella cutting inside. Um, so, I mean, I was, having heard the criticism, I'm very glad to see him get that. Yeah, I thought the second goal uh, was, was brilliantly taken. Oh, it's a brilliant goal. It's because, because, off, yeah, you're Prato, Prato the finish, the right hand, but the finish, because I mean, although he's on the near post, he just gets the air on the on the shot that just lifts it above the both the defender who's right next to him and the keeper I mean, it's just and, and the, the, the third goal, goal was a superb goal as yeah. well as a layoff first time hit from the edge of the box mm. keeper had no chance just very complete sort of hat trick and, yeah. and performance mm. and the, se- the second goal also came at the end uh, Chucky's second goal came at the end of a like 18 or 19 pass move as well that's right that. yeah, I mean, which kind of once again, uh, I was thinking when we did our, our preview pod for the season, we were all saying, "Oh, we're going to struggle because they let go, you know, their star players. They've, they've got Fernando Martinez. They've got, obviously got Santiago Silva for already for, for about a year. Um, Maxi Morales, uh, of course, haven't had a yeah, year. Thank you. Yeah, exactly. Ricky, precisely. Candidos. <laughs> and yet here they are again. What second in the league now? Still okay, three points behind. Um, one, one point behind them. Behind Newell's, but no, so you're right. Yeah, they are one point behind Newell's because um, Newell's only drew. Well, I think I said last week after seeing Vélez, you know, live and in the flesh against Racing, you know, that 1-0 victory, they were there for the championship and I think that's just yeah. another sign, you know. The, the only thing is coming on I mean, obviously if you beat the defending champions 5-1, that is a big statement, but mm. it was a slightly odd game. I mean, I've seen two different sets of stats, one said they had five chances, one said they had seven, but either way it wasn't like they were piling on pressure, mm-hmm. it was, they were very clinical when the chances arrived. And Arsenal did have chances. Uh, I'm not saying those didn't deserve to win the game, but 5-1 was a little bit misleading. Well, there was something about Campestrini, who's, who's a good keeper, um, and yeah, very, very good for, them, for Arsenal, you know, the champions six months ago. Um, there was something about him being ill, I think, beforehand. Well, I read that he'd show his hand in the card door. Oh, so that's it, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, he did. I like my explain the first goal, where it was just shot straight out, and you sort of spilled it and defeated for him. So I mean that, that in part explains it, but but you're right. It's very uncharacteristic for us now, who who um, were kind of a very sort of low uh, low five uh, champion, if you like, scoring very few goals but conceding hardly any, and that's kind of their, their trademark, isn't it? You know, very defensive on the counter attack. Um, so for them to concede five at home was 
It's not. It's not even the first time they've done it this season as well. They did it against River, of course. Yeah, very similar kind of game. Like River didn't. I wouldn't say yeah. dominated by any mm. major stretch of the imagination, but yeah, they took their chances and came out with a big win. Yeah. And I've been wondering why Arsenal are finding it. You know, I don't think anybody expects them to actually defend their title successfully, but why are they finding it quite so difficult to remember how to play football? Where are they in the league out of interest? Because I don't they're, think they're, they're doing about it all. Yeah. There must be a psychological thing, that must matter. If you fourteenth, oh, 14th. If yeah. you if you've gone through the winning of the title when every game is crucial, when you're dragging yourself over the line every match, mm. the next season you lose a couple early on, you know you're not going to win it. You're not going to get yeah the, the medals. Well, I guess it. also that. So, without any disrespect meant to them, or no, as any regular listeners will know, they're not our hand of pot's favourite club anyway. Um, but for a club of that size, it's not like they were going to be expected to defend the title anyway, is it really? No, I don't think anyone would have expected well, It's not been very common for anyone to, to defend the title, not even Boca had done it. No, absolutely. You know, when they won it recently, so, um, you know, just, it's the nature of. It'd uh, be interesting game. to see, actually, the last team to do the Clausura Apertura double in uh, Calendia. Has it been done? Oh, Clasura Apertura, Apertura, Clasura. Yeah. Because obviously when you get to July, August, there's a massive turnover of playing stuff more so than in January. Yeah. Be interesting to see. I'll go back through the the histories. No, actually I'm not, because it's it's going to be at least seven or eight years ago, isn't it? Because we've had that run seven or eight different champions. Well, I'm not going to bother you. Um, well, you're right, it would be interesting enough, but maybe when we've got a bit more time to search it. Uh, next match that we can have a look at, did anybody see... Bloody hell. Anybody catch Kilnes Colon actually? Because obviously Newell's was playing at the same time. No, I watched Newell's. I didn't watch Newell's, didn't I? Yeah, um, but Colon came back from, from 2 0 down in that one, which really is. Kilnes is struggling now. Was it 3 2? It, it was 2 2 in the end. Oh, Kilnes had a, a 2 0 lead. Well, Kilnes did, did the reverse, didn't they, from the previous weekend when they, they pulled it back against Sandalin. So uh, this time they took the lead, 2 0 lead, and, and, and relinquished that, which, uh, as you said, is. Um, Obviously, you start to put them in, in pretty serious situations, but they do have the same thing where, where their points average is just divided by, by the one season. So, I mean, if they can put together a couple of wins, they're immediately mm. in a much better position. Not the case for San Lorenzo and Independiente, who need to get quite a few results to, as, and other results to go their way yeah. for them to, to have a slightly better position. Sure, and we've already talked about Bocas, uh, especially Paredes' contribution in, in the Classico. Uh, but uh, how does San Lorenzo look? Because they've been, I mean, Juan Antonio Pizzi now has been in charge for three matches. He hasn't really appeared to have changed much. So I think they've drawn two and lost one, or, or lost two and drawn one. I think it's drawn two and lost one, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, it's 12 games, isn't it, now that San Lorenzo haven't won? I mean, how much can, can Pizzi do in, in with the same players? Um, I mean, and you speak to many San Lorenzo supporters, and they'll, they'll say, you know, they, I don't think anyone's sort of blaming. Pizzi for this. I mean, I mean, mediocre is the, is the word that that many uh, San Lorenzo friends of mine have used when they were describing the squad. Um, Hada, it was in, I mean, it's quite an issue here. Um, Facun, uh, Facundo, yeah, right? Franco, Franco, Franco Hada. Yeah, Franco Hada was uh, was injured in in the game. At, um, was it against Kilmer or was it this weekend? Anyway, the the, the supporters were, were celebrating the fact that he was injured uh, because he's been he's performed so poorly. Um, so, uh, so I mean, San, San Lorenzo has just been a had this kind of febrile atmosphere really for the last sort of eighteen months, hasn't it? Yeah, it's not been a good place. I think, and that's got to take its take its toll as well. You know, this atmosphere of just negativity has just always been a downward spiral. They've had boring trouble. They've had coaching trouble they've had player trouble yeah. it's just completely there's poison going throughout the club yeah. and yeah this is they really need just to kind of find a fresh start from somewhere but you can't see as long as relegation is still looming you can't see it coming what's the latest with our stadium situation the returns of the weather mm. there's, a, there's a massive demonstration later on this month I'm not sure the death I want to say 22nd but um, but uh, again they'll march march to the uh, to city to, to demonstrate they do have help in so much as one of their supporters is a, is a senator Danny uh, Filmos so I mean they have that slight bit of leverage there which, which it doesn't make that much of a difference but I mean it adds a bit of clout just to the uh, would have been very useful if he got in as uh, head of the Buenos Aires government <laughs> <laughs> well this is it he, he went against 
Mauricio Macri in, in the last, uh, you're right, Dan, in the last um, mayor uh, elections. If he got in, then I'm sure there would have been a difference. But I mean, it's it's very very difficult because the the supermarket California is has invested in a huge amount in in, in the uh, in the area. So it's. Uh, it, it, I was in Carrefour last week, it was quite impressive. I went to that Back very common. <laughs> I went to that very same Carrefour on, on Sunday actually. Well, 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 you know you know the story about Vigo Mortensen refused he was in Paris, he told the story once. He was in Paris and he, and he <laughs> it was it was really late at night, he was with his girlfriend and they were both starving, <laughs> nothing was open. But it was a twenty four hour Carrefour that was open. And his girlfriend said, Come on, let's go and get a sandwich or something and, and he and he said, I'm not going in that in that chair, I'm not going in, I'm not giving them my money. <laughs> Brilliant. I, I, but I, I didn't buy sugar puffs when uh, Kevin Keegan was advertising them. He's a new customer manager. <laughs> it's up there. It's <laughs> up there. <laughs> you do what you can. You do. You do. <laughs> um, talking of uh, teams that are in a bit of a pit and, and struggling and going through the whole end of the world thing again. Riverplate. Once again, we have got a, a northeast related question, at least in a little while, John. But Riverplate once again failed to win. Uh, it's now three matches. That was pretty dismal as well, wasn't it? It was possibly the worst match of the weekend um, that I saw, at least. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Um, against all boys, nil-nil away. Leonardo Poncio sent off with 35 seconds to go for... A bit unlucky. Really well, bit yeah. underplay. A bit unlucky when you win the ball and <laughs> get the ball first. Yeah, with a, with a one-footed challenge that's not studs up or particularly malicious. Yeah, although, the referee's going to be straight right. Although, haven't, um, haven't appealed... The no. band, so. Well, I have to say, when I first saw it, I, I just thought it's a bit harsh. You see the replay, and it's, it's clearly a bad, yeah, it's a long decision. But yeah. One of those long decisions will, that will never be overturned because the yeah. ref can say, oh, he was, he was off the ground and out of control. But. And the other thing is that the next Rivers' next match, at least, is at home to Union. If you can afford to be without <laughs> yeah. a key midfielder for any match, not that River necessarily can, but if, no. if there is one match this season that you can do that for, it's at home to Union. Um, because Union themselves are still without a win, um, as are Tigre, of course, in the league at least. Uh, they, they drew 2-2 two, two with Estudiantes, so they got a really, really late equaliser um, from this kid Federico Chiapello, Chiapesho. I don't know how I'm saying that. I imagine, I imagine it's, it's, not, it's, it's not a show, it'll be a Ello, right? Because it's yeah, Italian. Yeah, so. I'm assuming it's Chiapello, yeah, or Chiapello. Um, he was delighted. He, he said it, it was. He, I think he'd scored before, but he said it was nice to have scored a goal that actually meant that his team were getting a point before uh, this time because the goal he came before was. Yeah, it's not been many of them Union. Well, Pompeo brought in quite a few youngsters, didn't he? Kind of, that was his. Just on the tables, all right. Dropped a few of the players, brought in a few of the, uh, the youth team sort of reserve Kids players. Of <laughs> exactly, Vamos Lopez, and uh, they did pretty well to, to grab a point off of Estudiantes. They did. Um, other results elsewhere, Belgrano beat Atletico Rafaela 3-1 in Rafaela on Friday night. Did anybody catch that one? Uh, I did actually, and the, oh. the second goal. goal is filth. Yeah. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. sensational. Ba- Basquiat's a first name, but you must see. If you can Google it, YouTube and do whatever you do, uh, yeah. it's definitely worth a look because it's just brilliant. In the puppy six against Chelsea League. It's up there, yeah, absolutely. Well, Slightly more measured, but yeah. Well, and therefore very similar kind of position. And, yeah. uh, and one sending off for each side as well, Fabrizio Fontanini and Cesar Pereira. On his comeback, I believe. Yeah, because oh, he was out with knee ligament injury or something yeah. like that, yeah. Um, so yeah, and, and the match that I was at, Argentinos won San Martin, won fairly unremarkable, uh, but I'm going to mention it just because I met Diego Maradona's son. Which, which one? The, the general one or the other? Yeah, yeah, he's only got one. Well, no, yeah, oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> he's, only, he's only got one in the media. Isn't one on the way, though? Or another kid, at least? Yeah, there's another kid yeah. on the way with, with his now ex-girlfriend because he's broken up with her since <laughs> since it was announced, apparently. Um, but, yeah, very sort of quiet guy. He seemed a bit grumpy at first and then it occurred to me kind of afterwards that, A, this is somebody who has gone through his entire life, basically, with his dad refusing to talk to him, his sisters refusing to talk to him on the phone and all the rest of it. And he's suddenly being taken around the museum at Argentinos Juniors, where, of course, all of the staff are going, Look at what your dad did here, isn't he great? We love your dad here, we're at Argentinos, this is brilliant. At Fantastic. least Diego, our man, the Maradona yeah. Stadium. I mean, 
Um, but yeah, he was quiet and unassuming enough, and he, he uh, was was friendly enough and, and agreed to have a photograph taken with the couple of tourists that I'd taken to the match. Um, did you charge more for that? Like a nice enough button. Did you charge more? For I didn't. I should have. Did, did he charge? That's, that's, that's charge. basically why he's come over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was maybe getting this contract in, in Porvenir, which is a side in like the third or third tier, is it? Yeah. Mid SC, I think. Well, yeah. That's like. Argentinos, I saw there's been a lot of rumours. Was that Estrada's last game he got? It was, yeah. He, um, yeah. He, he got, uh, well, he didn't get was the sack. He, he resigned time, the following yeah. day, yeah. yeah. Um, and one of the rumours that's come along, which is quite interesting this week, is that one of the guys in line to take over, and apparently fairly strong, is uh, Diego Armando Maradona. No, Martin Palermo. Yeah. He's been linked yeah. fairly heavily with the job. Yeah, he's already down the line, though, isn't he? I think Frank yeah. Bedell is further up and there's another, there's another one um, Gabriel Schuler and there's another one as well oh, I, but I can't remember like one of these guys who does the rounds at all the clubs but <laughs> the name escapes me for now it's probably Gashego I mean he's got a club at the moment so that <laughs> would stop them from linking him anyway and Rob Arena's already turned that job down as well which kind of makes me wonder whether he's got another offer already on the table elsewhere or, or what well he was only out of work about a week ago I mean he probably yeah. wants a rest doesn't he well you <laughs> think so yeah um, other other results. Godoy Cruz won. Newell's Old Boys won. Uh, Godoy fighting back from one 0 down with only ten men as well for most of that match. Yeah, if, if I were Newell's, I'd be a bit worried. The um, same thing happened this week as happened last week. They just faded really badly in the second half. And it's the first and time, given the first time all season that they've conceded in consecutive matches as well. Which I mean, okay, it's only. But given the nature of the way they play, given the exhausting way they play, they did look absolutely knackered that last 10, 15 minutes. Well, it's very hot, John. <laughs> yeah, but it's going to get hotter for the rest of the season. Yeah, the season. It's it's pretty, pretty yeah. So yeah. If, if they are starting to feel it, I mean, we saw with, you know, with Athletic, um, Gales Athletic last season, it was capitulated at the end of the season, still going to be suffering from that. Um, so, they should go on board, <laughs> um, I, 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 well, maybe, yeah, maybe better than they should reach a point. But also, I mean, they're taking they're taking the lead, right? So, I mean, so there's a point when a certain amount of pragmatism, perhaps. Right? Yeah, but I mean, that's that's not the BLC's way, is it? So, Newell's have got uh, Kilmers, I think, on Friday, they which is the same day Bellas are playing Godot Cruz. Yeah. So, is this just for instance, or, or do. Do you think Do always play the team you have just played? So I know that English Dan has got a theory about this. Well, it's not a theory, it's the fact that <laughs> the fixtures are staggered in this way because I've noticed uh, from Racing, Racing Ways play the team that Villa's played the week before. So right. Villa's played the team that Neil's yeah. played the week before. I'm not sure that's fair, I don't think that's a good idea because I mean, the way Neil's play, they're going to exhaust opponents. Uh, you know, chasing them, having them, pressing them all the time. So that makes it easier for the team who follows them. If that team who follows them is a team that, um, so you're saying that would be better off just sitting back? Yeah, well, maybe maybe that's why they played so badly in the second half against Godoy Cruz. Give them a bit of confidence. You know, you've you've only taken one point from your last six away games, but you know, you're not that bad. Mm. I'm hoping this will stick for Arsenal this week then, because they yeah. yeah. And they have five put past them the week before, so they're coming to Racing, I'm sure they're going to get one over. Uh, as for the Velez Newell's um, chase for the title, uh, there is, uh, they were saying this weekend that uh, on, on this case of the playing the same team before, um, that the, the, in fact, the most important goal that Mauro Ogolo scored for Velez was for Bolo Cruz against Newell's. At the weekend, it was his equaliser, of course. Uh, so perhaps even that's the tactic, right? Vélez selling players that 
very poor for them <laughs> to, to play, who then get the equaliser, all important equaliser against Newell. It's very clever. Yeah. The yeah. other thing to remember is that when we talk about this race between Newell's and Bellas, we've got Belgrano definitely are, are in it as well. So Racing are five points back, so? Uh, Racing are yeah. five behind Newell's, yeah. Uh, so they're in sixth place. Belgrano are, are only two behind Newell's, bizarrely. Um, as we kind of discussed last week, Lanús are on 23, mm. which is four behind Newell's, and then Boca and Racing are both on uh, the fifth and sixth, five points behind the leaders. Um, Boca have still got to play, I think, well, two of the teams. Uh, I think it's Newell's and Bellas, in fact. And Racing as well. Yes, and Logically, and since all the teams play yeah. after each other. So, I mean, actually, Boca is still in it. If, I mean, if they, if they were to say, take seven points in those games, I mean, I guess they'd probably have to beat Newell's and Bellas, wouldn't they? Mm, but, yeah. And yeah. then draw against Racing. Suddenly they're back in it, aren't they? Definitely. They've got. Um, Newell's at home in La Bombonera in round 15, which is going to be in a week and a half because next week there's a midweek round, which will make a recording day interesting for episode 85. And then they play Vélez away um, the week after that. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting head to head. And then, of course, they're at home to, to Racing. Um, any other results we've not mentioned yet? Independiente. clubs. Independiente, well, well yeah, let's, let's go chronologically. So, yeah, Tigre and Racing um, earlier on Monday evening. Um, a 1-1 draw that felt for Tigre like a win. I guess you were right behind the goal that both goals were scored in, weren't you? I was indeed. It was, you know, the old cliche, it was a draw for uh, Racing that basically had the taste of defeat. And because I thought... It's James Vincent's favourite joke, isn't it? It's, uh, Is it? it's where you keep your socks. It's a draw that smells of defeat. Uh... <laughs> very good, very good. But no, I thought it was a little bit unfair because I thought probably it was one of the better games that Racing have played all season. I'm definitely. Which team scored the goal? They played well. Have you seen the goal? Clearly, right. Massive handball. It's so blatant. It's the most blatant handball of the season. It was a lovely fantastic finish. Yeah, fantastic. It was a lovely finish. It was taken that way. What about Tigre's goal? Like, took a massive deflection. Like, the wall just didn't move for about. The difference is Tigre also didn't get a penalty. Yeah, and and deflections are legal in football. They're allowed. Handballs are not. Well, supposedly. Uh, no, I'm very biased, mate. You know. No, I'm just saying. Racing shirt on there. I mean, come on. I'm just saying from the performance side. It was one of Racing's better performances of of the year. Kind of, they changed their their tactics to a three at the back um, kind of former midfielders. Camaronesi playing kind of as the enganche, and then Vieto and Sand up front, and it worked. They were like a mu- much more positive. They didn't just wait for teams to come at them. They tried to keep the ball. They had some very nice uh, passages of play. Uh, allegedly, there was a handball in the build-up to the goal, but <laughs> allegedly. allegedly, but it still was a lovely, beautifully taken goal from Bruno Zogolini. And then with two minutes left, yeah, a free kick, which I thought was a little bit harshly given. And, <laughs> and yeah, like a, a deflection, <laughs> which steered the ball Come on, come on, this is, this is just... I'm just going to let him keep, keep digging the hole. <laughs> this is the racing stage. Yeah, it was, it was disappointing. No, just how it ended. The reason I say this is I know that Tigre are extremely angry about what happened. Right. And they believe that they were fully justified and they should have won one or three points. Again, going against Tigre, the um, the attention that Centurion got was outrageous. Got nasty, nasty. Yeah, from really, Echeverria, right? D- dirty, just yeah. dirty, dirty, dirty. What, what was happening? Because I was watching. Yeah, elbows, elbows, kicks, yeah. I mean, just had a lot. I mean, really dreadful yeah. stuff. So, I mean, that's balancing. Which probably... Ties back into why these players want to leave Argentina at 18 and 19 because they get the fuck kicked out of them. <laughs> All of them. Well, it also, also, I mean, do you remember when Guti was linked to the River Plate? And just for a moment, I mean, <laughs> apparently it was 90% on that it was going to happen. This, he himself said this a few months after it all died down. Yeah. But I mean, if Guti had come to, to Argentina, <laughs> can you imagine the, the, the treatment he would have yeah. I mean, from the supporters and from obviously the you know, centre backs yeah. and holding midfielders? I mean, I don't think he would have enjoyed it. Really. Now, it's an interesting thing, actually. I'm sure we've talked about it before on our podcast, but uh, I met up with a friend of a friend of mine who I hadn't met before. He was in Argentina for the first time on Saturday and kind of took him around the city and we talked, obviously, about football quite a lot. And what he was t- saying to me kind of reflects the opinion, I think, a lot of people who maybe haven't watched a lot of Argentine football have of the game here that I think it's very kind of... You know, there's not many big hits. It's very kind of skill-based. It's very, let's say, airy-fairy, for one of a better word. And 
you have to come just tell people no it's not like that at all there's some horrible horrible things you wouldn't see in Europe even probably 20 years ago they're still they're still passing yeah and yeah and that's before you even go on to the standard of football um, yeah <laughs> Independiente uh, demonstrated that that often low standard of football that we see here perfectly on Monday night um, with a pretty pathetic performance at home to Lanús mm. well I didn't that was it because I was coming back from the two no win to Lanús John and I went down there for that one yeah mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, Lanus were, could have scored four or five, right? I mean, very comfortable. Um, yeah. I mean, a bit of bad luck for Independiente in terms of injuries. Uh, Morel was, was injured very early on. This, the young lad... Um, Butter. 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 Oh, yeah. Uh, was, uh, <laughs> I, I thought he could have come on earlier. Um, when they made the first execution, I looked at... Uh, when I got on the film, I can't believe it's not Butter. <laughs> <laughs> he, he pulled this one on about five minutes after Forza went, went off and it was bad then as well <laughs> but, but he uh, poor, poor kid making his debut for for Independiente he'd been on a minute he'd been on a minute it was, yeah. kind of, it was a pretty rustic kind of challenge but it didn't seem too I'm making sure it was a foul though it was kind of I think it's caught up in the advertising yeah yeah, 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 yeah he, he right. sort of challenged the goalkeeper or the one of the no it's a sort of a diagonal ball yeah. to the edge of the box and he, he tries to kind of keep it in play and he and the defender sort of clatter into each other and he goes down and seems to do his knee and his face at the same time yeah and he tried to play on but poor lad was clearly in a lot of pain and I mean and so upset to well, go he off he was destroyed wasn't he he was in tears he was lying in front of the bench beating the ground I mean yeah. really felt for him the next day he was very philosophical he was tweeting about um, some, some biblical quote about when a chance, an opportunity is taken from your hand, it means that God's opening up your hands to receive an even bigger yeah. opportunity. So he's, he's obviously he's very. Would it mean uh, when God closes the door, he opens a window? By any chance? Maybe that. I was written <laughs> in Spanish, so yeah. <laughs> he wasn't reading English, but right, but for our benefit. But um, so I mean, he's you know. So he's, the butter's learnt at the end of the churn of football. Oh, make it stop. <laughs> <laughs> Moving swiftly on, yeah, Joel's, uh, uh, Joel's plea is exactly what we're going to do. I'm going to play some music and then we'll come back and we will answer some of your questions. We've had a fair few of them. Um, so do not go away. Williamson sent us a couple uh, a few days ago. He asks, first of all, how is it possible to explain the demise of Instituto and Rosario Central after last year's promotion race? Why have they fallen off so much? Any of us been watching the B now that River aren't in it this season? Yes, yeah, Central is. The B is interesting because of these two stories and because of all I can. Central is it's a very difficult club to manage. I mean, it's a huge club. It's, it's one of the most supported clubs in Argentina. So it'd be like managing Newcastle in, in the second it, it's, in the championship. It's similar, yeah. yeah it was a job for Chris Hutton when he gets sucked by Norwich. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, it is obviously a city dominated by Newells and, and Central. They have, they've already had one year down. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, I don't have an explanation for it. I mean, they, they've still got some decent players. They've got players who... I mean, there, there's a slight issue there where, for example, uh, Lecky, Matthias Lecky, Who's Rosario Central through and through, and he went back last year and left. Do you think he's, is he at All Boys? I think this season. Um, yeah, I think. Yeah, he. Um, but all so, Boys or Brown, I can't. Maybe it's going down. But anyway, he left. Um, I mean, read into that maybe something. Maybe there's you know there's something behind the scenes there. But I mean, certainly there's this the atmosphere around Central Man is, is pretty tense, pretty full on. It just doesn't help. Anyway, if you're trying to hold on to a one-nil lead or what have you. Um, but actually, I mean, they went down, didn't they, against Federal, I think, um, their last yeah. game. Yeah. I think they pulled it back. I think they got a draw. Federal or <laughs> Yeah, no, no. <laughs> exactly. So, um, um, Instituto? Well, they lost the Valor, obviously. It's still just classic. You know? yeah. I mean, yeah. they weren't even the first division, and the uh, you know, teams were dismantled, wasn't it? Yeah. So... Um, and you mentioned just purely because you mentioned it in passing, John. But uh, Joel, sorry, 
just fill our listeners in what, what's going on with Huracan. Well, speaking of teams being dismantled, Huracan, um, you know, just three years ago were challenging for and robbed, I'd argue, of the, of the, of the three years ago. Yeah, of the, of the first division title. They're now rock bottom of, uh, of the second division. I'm laughing because it was an incredible scene uh, in the press conference just after their last defeat the last weekend. Um, one of the, the, the first question went to one of the Huracan um, partidario, the, the, the media that only covers the club, and the producer. Um, so, uh, very Maradona-esque, so what, sorry for apologies to the ladies present, um, but I'm going to say what I think uh, of, of, what, of what I can right now. And he turned around and he mooned. <laughs> he mooned. Um, no. Uh, yeah, the, the coach's name's just completely gone from the... Uh, a lot. I know a lot. Um, uh, so, I mean, again, Ian. So going three years ago, challenging for the title, then rock bottom of the second division, and probably going to at this point. Yeah, no, well, what's so happened to to um, play? I mean, Pastore obviously gone to Europe. I mean, De Federico was he? De Federico's De Federico, Cor- sorry. career totally plateaued. I mean, he went to Corinthians, didn't really get on there. Came back to injured, and he's injured right now. He's yeah, he's finished. Who was that holding midfielder there? Bolatti, 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 was the guy I was thinking of. Yeah. Bolatti's in international in Brazil. Oh, so he is. Yeah. And the centre forward, the big lad. Oh, that's um, uh, Nieto, right? Nieto. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where is he? Nieto. Never heard of him again, really. Well, he was, he was the Nieto from Rangers, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. A, a, a short spell there. Um, because that was a, that, that team. I, you know, just seemed to have a perfect balance. They had a really strong holding midfield, mm. big lad up front, so we could play along if we needed to, and then just this array of. Incredibly just, yeah. gifted ball players. I'm just looking at the team for Huracan's last Primera match, and Daniel Isnas in goal, Eduardo Dominguez, Federico Mancinelli, Hugo Barrientos, obviously, Walter Busse, Jerónimo Barrales. I mean, there are players in there who are decent, kind of mid table, first division level. Um, the fact that, and, and they're also in, in the relegation zone, in the relegation table, as well as being bottom of the, um, of the season long table at the moment as well. So, yeah, it's. Um, Really, really strange what's happening with Oracan. Um, next question is from Craig Clark. He says, Germán Tetzela apparently is not going to Newcastle, uh, but who is he? Is he any good? I'll, I'll let you. I think he is. Uh, he's, he's great. Not, he's not great. great. He's got a bit to, bit to learn, but promising young centre back is as promising as any centre back Argentina has produced recently. Let's say. No, he's, he's got three Ticks all the boxes. Argentine youth international. He didn't play very. Hasn't played very much at River for as much as he should have done. Um, slight problems there with agents and, and whatnot. That can't really go into. Um, but but he's very highly rated, and I think he's proving it now that he is in the team. Um, but I mean, young centre back, and uh, probably the, to be honest, the best one River have got. Which is why, um, as I said, it's a little bit controversial. He hasn't played more than Gonzalo like, Pires and and Funes Mori. Have been ahead of him in the pecking order, but he's uh, he's very highly rated. I'm not not sure if a move to the Premier League for anyone really from Argentina mm. straight away is is what's. Is Can't the Union take him under his wing though? Uh, I mean that's true. Yeah, I mean Sebastian Coates went obviously went to Liverpool from straight from yeah, and National. He's, he's struggled I mean, a bit to be honest. Well, exactly, exactly. I mean, I mean he's clearly a really good player. Exactly. Right. That's kind of the. He's you know, doing all right. None of his games have played on this season. What I've seen, he's doing. Yeah, but he's still. You know, you think of how good he was in the Cup of America. Yeah. And it's it's nothing like that level. Um, from one northeast club to another now, Justin Lynch. Hey. I'm sorry, sorry. Jonathan. Um, <laughs> we have got a question specifically for you in a minute, but this is a Middlesbrough question. Um, Justin, no, it's not northeast. It's not a club. <laughs> <laughs> Justin Lynch wants to know whatever happened to Carlos Marinelli. And um, what can you tell me about Ledesma? Unfortunately, he's not told us which Ledesma he's asking about, but I'm assuming there's one mainly with Middlesbrough, right? Um, Marinelli, I can tell you, is now playing for Universidad San Martín in Peru, having just brought him up on Wikipedia. Um, when he was at Middlesbrough in 2000, he was only 18 years old when he moved from Boca to Middlesbrough. That's right. So that's another example of a player who goes to Europe at a ridiculous age. And he's been all round. He's Middlesbrough, Torino, back to Boca, Racing, back to Torino. Braga, uh, Kansas City Wizards in the States, Missionarios in Colombia, Aldo Cini in Argentina's second division, and then a team in Hong Kong. That is quite a journey, yeah. yeah. Which team are you? Giori. Gyo. Gyo. Could be. G Y O R R. Yeah, it's Gyo. Hungarian. Hungarian confused. Yeah. I, I've been to Budapest and I just could not get my head around the pronunciations. I've, I've been to, uh, I've seen a Gyo game live. 
Oh, yeah. Um, only got here. Which no, terrible. He was there in 2010, wasn't that recent? He only played twice. No, it was a long ago. I saw them as a 1 1 draw away at. Um, oh, God. I don't know what the, what the city's called. I don't mind the team is based there. Um, come back to me. The only game I've seen in Hungary was Ferenc Valoros against Hungid. Um, oh, big one. Ago, which, yeah, I, I didn't realise when I went. And, uh, I no, not, not the biggest Budapest derby, but no, it was, it's not, I've been I was, to I was just excited about seeing Hungid, to be honest. I was in the Ferenc Valoros end, but I was excited about seeing Puskas as old club. Um, but anyway, we're, we're getting well and truly off the topic of, of Argentine football now. Um, Justin also asks, why hasn't Julio Arca got more caps? I, I venture to suggest the answer well, is fairly obvious, but um, does anybody want to give Well, a what is it? That he's not. Good enough. <laughs> I mean, he's a decent player, but I'm not, yeah, to be a starting midfielder for Argentina. No, no, but he, he played a left back, right? He would have played a left back for Argentina, surely. Mm. That's why he played when he was captain of the Trials and the 20 million team. Yeah. And it, what left back of Argentina had? They had Ainsi. Mm. I'd rather have than Ainsi. No question, I'd rather have yeah, than Ainsi. I think of him more as a central midfielder because he played sort of all over the place in Middlesbrough when they were when they were in the Premier, uh, Premier Division. I've been playing too much football manager Premier League. Um, no, I mean Arco was. Uh, I mean, in my thirty odd years sports on the night, I can't remember a player who's ever been as popular as Arco was. Mainly because he was the one good player in an absolutely dreadful team, mm. and he hung around far longer than he should have done. Um, but he really sort of adapted to. To the northeast as well. Yeah. Although he didn't adapt, but he stayed there, which is good enough. Yeah. <laughs> so, there was all these stories when he first arrived. There's um, the, the street where, where my primary school uh, is and was and will be. Um, <laughs> it's this really crappy street of kind of cheap shops, shops, and um, there's a couple of green grocers and things. And he was sort of wandering up and down there, trying to find a particular type of nut, not having the English word for this type of nut. And apparently an increasingly large crowd following him <laughs> as he goes from shop to shop and they're all trying to help and trying to interpret exactly what kind of, what kind of nuts he's looking for. <laughs> and he didn't find it, but he said that the warmth that people showed him in helping his quest for nuts. Did we ever uh, find out what nut he wanted? No, no, no idea. He, he married a lass from, uh, from Sunderland, which is why when he left Sunderland he only moved to Middlesbrough, because yeah. she wouldn't meet up in the North East. You're right, and in fact we did have a question... For your club again, I've completely forgotten that Arca was, was a Sunderland player before he moved to Middlesbrough. So he was much better than Sunderland was to Middlesbrough. Um, we've now got a question especially for John. Doug, Doug Mulligan asks two questions for Jonathan Wilson. First, how many languages do you speak? None. Well, one, English. Ish. And secondly, how do you decide which region of world football you're going to write about next? Whatever. Whatever it takes my fancy that week. I'm very whimsical. No, I basically I do Argentina, West Africa, and Eastern Europe. A bit of Brazil, I suppose. But do you have any favourites in terms of places you like to visit? Apart from the wonderful company you get every time you come to Buenos Aires, of course. No, I like variety. I'm very easily bored, is the truth of it. And I got very bored very easily. Well, when I was the FT football correspondent, just slogging around in United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal every week, and finding nothing new to say. Um, I've still got nothing new to say, but at least I spread it a bit thinner. <laughs> um, Billy McGann says, Why is it that each round the AFA often change the day and the kickoff type of matches numerous times? Oh, don't get me started on this. I have this, on Saturday. I have this on Saturday because I did not hear, I wasn't home on Friday evening, so I didn't hear anything about the Argentinos kickoff being put back two hours. So I met my two people who I was accompanying to the match for a two o'clock kickoff. On the bus there, I texted our contact at the club to say we're on the way. And he texted me back going, that's brilliant, Sam, but it doesn't kick off till four. And I thought, bloody hell. <laughs> Fortunately, it was, it was all right, they didn't mind. But, uh, no, thank God you got the band from FRT to cover that. <laughs> no, to me, it's the bane of my existence. Like, I often work on weekends and trying to work out when I'm going to work and when I'm going to see a racing, you know, have it all figured out. And then you find out, ah, oh, no, they're going to change it for Saturday. And you're like... Shit! Now I'm gonna have to try all over again. Yeah, it's all panning. I think it's it's got a lot to do with uh, the security, right? Kind of working out which uh, which insiders are gonna meet in what place and yeah, avoiding. But but still, it should be possible to plan that in advance. You would I mean, think so. You I, I know I know it happens everywhere, and I, I think I'm not absolutely certain, but I think I've been screwed over with the with the Premier League shifting a Southern Tottenham game back by a day between Christmas and New Year. So I'm not going to be on a train rather than at the game as I'd hope to be. Mm. 
but at least I did that two and a half months before. Yeah, yeah this happens two days early. And it's kind of bizarre as well, particularly to somebody who's used to looking at the fits just for the Premier League or whatever, where you can say right now that, I mean, I'm, I'm plucking examples out of thin air or whatever, but the same Man United could play at Arsenal at five o'clock on the afternoon of Saturday the 17th of April you know that's well no no you, you can't do that because things do get moved for TV and they do get moved because of replays and cup games and whatever but you, you certainly a couple of months ago you can do it yeah. yeah I mean here what is it two weeks beforehand they announced kind well, of the days and then about week a week before it weeks, yeah. and then, I mean as I say the, the Argentinos game on Saturday the kick off time got changed 18 hours before the match mm. um so, you know, Sorry, is somebody's licking out Nesta's ear? Is that, is that normal? They're, normal? Just being, they're just being friendly. Don't be embarrassed, mate. No, it's fine. Is there salt in the earwax? Is that what he's after? No, they're just affectionate. Okay. Like all Argentines, you know. They love touching each other and uh, licking their ears. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> Have you not had anyone do that to you yet, John? No. It's a tradition. I don't want to talk about that. When the lights went out on the subject today, it? Yeah. <laughs> it can happen. Yeah. I thought it was a dog but the lights came back on <laughs> we've told Joel not to do that um, Connor asks which is Julio César Fazioli's most impressive achievement so far the unbeaten run Boca's championship runner up place the Copa Libertadores or making a squad including Sanchez Mino Nicolás Colasso Leonardo Paredes Leandro Paredes sorry um, Ledesma and Silva incredibly dull to watch so this I is think it's a joke question because I thought the first question was actually quite. I think it's a slightly angry pocket, right? But um, which is his most. Well, there's two things, aren't there? I mean, a, he's forced for government to retire. Mm. Uh, and B, you know, presumably, you know, he, he looks in the mirror when he shaves. So to do that every morning, that suggests a certain fortitude of character. Actually, kind of, Boca over the last year, they remind me just of kind of a small club that. I'm not saying Boca are a small club, obviously, that they're a massive, massive club. But. The way they've kind of approached it under Falcioni was kind of like it was a small club that really pitched together and found success and then after actually finding that success they had no idea how to take the next step. That's exactly what I see from Yeah, I mean, to, to, yeah but I mean you know, to, to take a team that hadn't won anything in four years yeah. and then win the title and That's what I'm saying you man. That's an extraordinary team. And the problem is we can't. as well that hadn't been in the Libertadores for three years and got yeah. to the final yeah. on their return. But and actually they you know they 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 lost that final as part of that terrible run of form at the end of the, yeah. the Glasur, yeah. which is all to do with Raquel May suddenly chucking his toys out the pram because he was no longer the kind of main figure there. And as we say, Boca are now fifth in the league, five points off of the title. Mm. It's hardly crisis time, you know. Well, yeah, but it is crisis, isn't it? Because Falcioni is clearly leaving. Yeah. The, the Raquel knows whether he's going to come back or not, he's, he's taking Falcioni with him. Mm. I don't see what Falcioni's done wrong. Well, they play boring football. It's a crap squad. They, they win games. <laughs> uh, Luis Bessone asks, uh, who's a, before I, I read out his, his own answer to his question, I'll just point out, he's a US-based uh, Newell's fan. He asks, which is the most underachieving club in Argentina? I say Central. <laughs> <laughs> um, or I can. Could be. Historically. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. Racing, Racing, yeah. Racing, definitely. Yeah. Was it one title? Historically, right. Yeah. Centro's not a bad shout, to be honest. Centro, yeah. As we said, uh, well, it's one of the most supported clubs. I think there's six most yeah. supported yeah. clubs in, in, in the country. So. I mean, how many leagues in. Yeah. What's their role of honour? It's been pretty dark. Yeah, it's not really. Quite a few examples, much, much like a Nottingham Forest or something on a slightly smaller scale. Of, of, uh, yeah. What would be thought of elsewhere, you know, if it weren't the fact they're actually in the capital, they'd be referred to as a provincial club because it's not as if they're massive. Who's just like Ferry, Briefly, yeah, briefly elevating their level. Um, so, like Argentina, some a lot closer to uh, Forest but yeah, because yeah. of their continental success. Yeah, Central, Central, Racing, Huracan. Gymnasia maybe for the amount of sport they've got in La Plata. That's yeah. answering this guy's question. Either way, I don't think it's a serious question. It's just a digger. It's just a digger. Gymnasia had a huge advantage in that, because in 1932 they appointed Emily Kershaw, the first foreign coach. Mm. And, yeah, Jewish Hungarians were the people who invented football. Yeah. And they, they should have taken on the WM, and they didn't. And he had to go to River to introduce that. And then La Machina happened. <laughs> 
Are there any upcoming articles or magazines in which we can read about your new Jewish uh, coach theory, John? Because um, you've been boring us anyway. No, no, there aren't. Excellent. Um, so don't no, I'm doing, no, I'm doing a, a rewrite of Invent the Pyramid, uh, which will be out in April or May. That doesn't mean you shouldn't buy the existing one between now and then. <laughs> Certainly, it's still a very, very good Christmas present. I, I'd agree with that as somebody who owns the book. Um, you read it? And left it in England. I have read it, yes. Good. And then I left it in England before I came here because there was only space for um, so many books in my well, that wasn't one of them. Well, I decided to bring one that I hadn't read, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, okay, um, good, good, good. So, answering this Dan's semi-serious question a, a minute ago, Central uh, won four um, first division titles. Last um, one. The yeah. last one was the the uh, Campeonato de Primera División in eighty six, eighty seven. Right. And prior to that, they won three nacionales um, yeah. in the seventies, eighties. Let's uh, go with uh, Leopard and then like, definitely Central are pretty underachieved. Yeah. Um, sure. Rupert Fryer asks, are you watching the Super Copper? Do you care? Does anyone care? So much for no, 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 hysteria, no. now we get four champions. Uh, that's pretty much what I think as well. This guy, no, no, it. no, two or three questions. Yeah, there's a theory going around that um, if, if Bocca win, it'll be important. If Bocca don't win, no one took it serious in the first place. I'll have to wait and see until tomorrow, I guess. I'll be good for Racing if Arsenal have got to play midweek. Rupert then asks, yeah. do you all miss Veron, Roman and Palermo as much as I do? No. Carbonero was brilliant when he arrived at Estudiantes, what are they doing? Nobody misses anybody as much as Rupert misses Roman, so no. it's just a pointless yeah. question. Exactly. I mean, by definition, it, it's a tautology, isn't it? Yeah. But Carbonero was a massive part of the Arsenal team that finished champions in mm. the Brasil, I have to say. I think he's making a good go of it. Like, well, no, I think, I, I think that's what Rupert means. Why, why did Estudiantes not take him back? It was a contract dispute, I think, after his loan, like loan spot. Um, but yeah, I mean, I sort of uh, agree with him. Um, it's definitely true that nobody misses uh, Raquel, perhaps even as much as more than Raquel's mum than, than Rupert Fryer. No. No. But, no, uh, Raquel but Raquel Argentine football misses Raquel and misses Rupert Fryer to a small extent. And also Veron. I'd say Palermo less so, but, um, but definitely those two kind of yeah. elder states. Actually, I miss Palermo. I, I miss Veron. Oh, but the thing with Palermo, Boca could be 4 0 down and he could still score a really comic goal. He had a gift of comic timing that you just don't see in many footballers. Yeah. His ability to bundle a ball over the line with passes and that he didn't even know existed <laughs> in the final minute when it doesn't matter. I'll never forget his headed goal from the halfway line against Venice. Yeah. That was possibly the best moment I've ever had in, in football, even though I was in. Uh, in the Boca home end, and I saw it, which I got, you know, I got not much love for Boca at all, but that moment was just, I don't think it can be compared to anything, you know, just Palermo scoring a goal from the halfway line with his head, and it literally just hit him. He wasn't going to do with his foot, was he, let's be honest. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, just, he it just hit him, it just hit him He did score it was incredible. halfway line with his foot on the half volley against Independiente, well, a year prior to half volley. But it'll be good to see Palermo back in football because he was—he's one of Argentine football's best characters, like mm. an incredible character. It's, it's happening. I mean, he's it's every, coming, every yeah. single job, every single time a coach uh, leaves uh, leaves his job at uh, any club this season, he's been mentioned. He's been mentioned for Godoy Cruz, Unión, Argentinos Juniors now, yeah. Boca, of course. So I mean, it's it, it, we won't have to wait too long until El Titan makes the, uh, <laughs> makes his return. Uh, I really Wallace. hope when he does it, he's still wearing that shower curtain that gave him and the. Uh, <laughs> he, the he was embarrassed, wasn't he? Yeah. Just put it on. And he carries the gold pipes in. Or <laughs> I think you know, he just wears it as a cape like Prospero on the touchline. That's what Argentina was missing a, a manager that wears a cape. Yeah. That's just all it's missing. <laughs> In many ways, that's more, more true than you realise. Um, Tom Robinson asks, what are Nicolás Otamendi's chances of getting a recall to the national team? I'd say... I, I don't know, I haven't, I haven't really been watching him in, in Portugal particularly, but at the moment, Garay and Fernandes are you know, the undisputed centre-back pairing. They're, they're doing well, they're not setting the world on fire, but I think they're, they're creating the same in there. So maybe in the squad, but unless something kind nice. of catastrophic happens... I think it's a really good call. I think it's an interesting case of being very talented centre back who um, who's just kind of just like fallen off the map. Yeah. I mean, World Cup obviously. Of course, that didn't uh, help. Did, him, did yeah. him yeah. So, uh, not his fault at all. Um, but he's totally, he's definitely. I just say his, his press is just just 
completely uh, vanished. And it's a shame because I've sort of really read him, and I think it'd be very good for Argentina to bring back him. But, um, but as I said, he's just he's not. Who, who, don't, who, don't talk about him anymore. No. Problem is, Portugal is such a black hole. A black hole for uh, Argentine football. It's ridiculous. How many Argentines play yeah, there? Massive, Maria went massive through there. Yeah, yeah. It's Savio. Benfica and Porto they buy up most yeah, of. Yeah. Well, who are the other? I mean, who are the reserve centre backs in the squad? Well, Lisandro Lopez is kind of there. The Salvador. The at the moment, yeah. Which is I'd have Otamendi over there, De Savita. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah, Colocini. Colocini said he was injured in Colicini's the last call up. He's yeah. been called out for the Saudi Arabia friendly, yeah. right. which is next week, I think. I mean, he, he really has been excellent last season in the bit. Suela likes him as well. Suela's mental yeah. tackle on Suela at the weekend. <laughs> Joseph Sexton asks Who is the best team in your or all of your time following Argentine football? What a gun. Depends what you mean by best. I mean, other account were the best to watch. Those yeah, those sensational. Plus, there's the whole romanticism of it. Plus, there's the injustice of how they were stolen of the title. I mean, it's just a perfect story. Yeah. I mean, Huracan 2009 was just amazing. That's. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. Because of the, the the way they played. I mean, mm. I mean, it was just you know, it's re- remarkable, and it still is. Now, I haven't seen. I mean, there's no team that's come even close no. to to playing. The, the, the verve and flair that, that they did across and throughout no. from defence all the way all the way up. And it's incredible still just how much respect like Angel Capa who put that team together has even though you know, looking over the long term his coaching career's been pretty uneventful, pretty unimpressive, but he's always gonna be remembered for that team. Right? Well again, he's got very bad press in Argentina because he No, I think uh, I think he's quite res- when he talks people listen. Not speaking from my no, not at all. I mean, this is the thing. People, he winds people up because he he, he talks about playing beautiful football and, and, and keeping the ball on the yeah. ground and 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 he, and he speaks with a, a, a register which is far beyond the normal, your average uh, first division football coach. So I think people get annoyed with him and they kind of see him like, ah, oh, Capra again banging on about. Lidigo and all this kind of stuff. Well, this kind of touches. I like it here. They used to do that with Bielsa as well. Journalists hated it because they'd ask a question and he'd still be going on 15 minutes later and they'd all forgotten what the question was. (laughs) So we we, we, we talked about this at uh, the Asada you did after the um, Super Classico that there's a strange sense in which the greatest Argentinian coaches never win anything. Minotti won one league title, one World Cup. Mm. Bielsa's won one league title, a Libertadores final, and an Olympics, and nothing else. But they create the illusion of football, they create the dream of yeah, football, sure. but they don't actually win trophies. Mm. And Kappa fits exactly in that mould. Yeah, it's true. But in terms of winning, I mean, Sabellas, the Sudiantas? Yeah. It was very effective. And also the, the Vélez side of Morales, Silva, Martínez. There's a, there's a forward line. Yeah. I mean, that was a fantastic forward line to watch. But you had to go go out of the linear on a Friday night to watch it. That was a good problem. <laughs> <laughs> I don't um, have to grudgingly give a mention to the 2004 pocket team as well. Really well, I just think when, when I first came, uh, the first game I saw was Boca beating Cusero in, I think, late 2007. No, it would have been 2007, yeah. yeah. When they had the Cusero playing behind the final or the group stage? No, it was, uh, it was the last 16, I think. Oh, I think you're the wrong year then. Yeah. Um, yeah, they beat Gremio in 2007, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. And that was a. Uh, I mean, that, yeah, that was um, my then girlfriend's team. And. Um, it's not it, really. It was. It doesn't matter. It was, uh, it was very odd as a Southern fan to watch a team, not supporting them, but wanting them to win, and actually watching them win. The very <laughs> odd feeling. Um, and you know, what, what really hit home was when yeah, I watched someone on telly and they go like one look into Birmingham or something and I'd immediately sent a paroxysms of terror as to 70 minutes to go and never fucking hold on it's a disaster we shouldn't have scored so early which is you know as as I was telling said was um, a very much small team mentality but when Bocca scored you said thank goodness for that we can relax now <laughs> Um, Khalid Bastaki doesn't have a question he just says good luck with the recording can't wait to listen to it so <laughs> thank you thank you very much <laughs> yeah. uh, Ed Malian asks how uh, is it God him again yeah, I don't know if he keeps bothering us how is it that Racing's two proven goal scorers three times top scorers in short tournaments he's talking about Jose Sand and Javier Campora mm-hmm. can't find the net this season Dan 
I think it's really got more to do with what's gone on behind them. You I don't mean, think it's the curse of Racing? It is, yeah, the curse definitely does play. Is the dead cat still under the goal? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, no, they tried to they tried to find it, but they couldn't find it. Seven and they can't yeah, yeah. Have you heard this story, John? You're looking at us quizzically. No. Basically, yeah. Was it Independiente fans or something that yeah, broke the stadium after 1967 and and buried seven cats? Buried seven cats underneath the pitch. And in about, I mean, I it must have been 2005, 2006 or something. The club paid a priest to come in and. Exorcised the stadium and they dug up six. Priests are notoriously good at finding dead cats. Yeah. Well, no, they just, it was a sort of exorcism of the, the yeah. spirits and they right. dug up. They managed to find six. They can suggest using a dog. And <laughs> that might have been better. I don't know. But yeah, the seventh one, the seventh one they couldn't find. So it's, yeah. still so it's definitely that as well. But no, mainly watching Racing this year, it's just been the way they play. Really, is you know very kind of direct game, not having much much possession, and it's not really suited um, a centre forward. There has been, you know, Racing has scored goals, I think. I don't know where they were. They were one of the top scorers, I think. That's probably dropped now because they've had a few weeks without scoring. But, yeah, mainly that. They're just not playing a, a style of football which suits someone who's just in the area and they're to, they're to pick up chances. Not taking, haven't been chances. Yeah, yeah, I'd also add to that, not taking chances. And missing penalties. Um, the mean, two missed penalties didn't help Sand. They've yeah. underperformed. I mean, yeah. Sand should have had a hat trick on his debut, yeah. missed, including the missed penalty, of course. Yeah. Um, Cambora as well. I, mean, I don't know if Cambora underperformed, underperformed. He when he was playing, he, he did a lot of work for the team. He, mm. he played well, but he just wasn't getting in those positions. And I know he had that one golden chance against Newell's, which at the yeah, bar, exactly. which could have made a massive impact in the season now. But yeah, a mixture of the curse and not having enough chances let's say uh, the, the final uh, point of the night is that Justin Lynch who asked the questions about Middlesbrough earlier has got back to me and he says um, Emmanuel Ledesma of Middlesbrough anybody heard of him? apparently came through the youth system at Genoa according to, to Justin um, oh, no. I've done a search here a couple of searches for him on Wikipedia already can't find him so I'm afraid Justin we, we can't answer that one sorry um, I'm going to bring up my predictions now uh, we'll We'll play some music and then I'll come back and, and be Mystic Sound for a couple of minutes. Uh, for this week, we're going for Belgrano to get a win against Argentinos Juniors at home, uh, Newells to win against Quilmes also at home. Veles to win against Godoy Cruz at home. All boys to beat San Lorenzo in Bajo Flores. Yeah. River to... Yeah, I think San Lorenzo will get at least a point out of that. Okay. I don't think we have bad San Lorenzo. No. Uh, yeah, I, I, anyway, carry on. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, I'm just hungry. River, River to beat Union. Obviously, always bet on Union to lose, even though they didn't last week. Estudiantes, Rafaela, I'm going for a, just about a Rafaela win. Uh, but there's not much in that one. Uh, Racing not to beat Arsenal pretty easily after, after Arsenal's last two matches, which probably makes they won, of course, but I'm going for a win. Um, and Lanús beat Tigre, I'm going for a home win. San Martín Independiente is going to be a draw, as is Columbus Boca Juniors, and that's it lot. Um, any matches that we're going to be particularly looking forward to this weekend, James? Two on Friday. Which are the Newells and Veles matches, aren't they? Yes. I'm mean, assuming they are still going to be on Friday, those. Who knows by the time they actually kick off. And who did Belgrano have? They have got Belgrano are at home to Argentinos yeah. in the first match of the weekend. Uh, so, in fact, yeah, all th the top three are playing all on, on Friday evening. That's such an Argentinian thing, isn't it? Just putting it on the day where no one will watch. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's because none of them are uh, grandest. It's yeah. historically. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I mean. River, that's and, 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 yeah, exactly. River and Bok have to play on Saturday. So I remember going to that Fiorentina's game when the Fiorentina were top and Vela's were second yeah, yeah. on a Friday night. I think it was the fifth last game of the season. Mm. Clearly, if Vela's didn't win that title, was over as Fiorentina's, and all the papers, even on a Friday morning, was full of I don't know, San Lorenzo Racing on Sunday or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, the other thing was that I looked up one of the things that English Dan asked right near the start of the show when 
the last team to win both championships in one calendar year was. Um, not the last team to win two in a row. Was, was it? Uh, was it never? Just, uh, just been thinking about this. Quite uh, right, John. <laughs> it, it was. It was River back in 1997. Maybe 1997. Yeah. yeah. It's almost as if you heard me give you the answer earlier, isn't it? Um, the last team to win two in a row was Bock in 2005, 2006, when they won the Apertura Clausura. But the last team to win both championships in a calendar year was River in 1997. So that is 15 years ago. Um, so yeah, you might have a point about the. European transfer window, I guess, affecting things more. Um, the, the, the summer window when, when the European clubs swoop like vultures to pick up the carcasses of what's left of the Argentine um, teams. Um, Not really carcasses, are they? Because they just won the league. So they're more like lions plucking off the freshest, youngest wildebeest. Yes. That's much more eloquent. <laughs> This is why you're going to pay more than me to write about football. I'm not going to pay tonight. Doesn't it pass me point out? We did give you free cup of colour. And, and that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you for that. It's been our pleasure. Um, two of us are going to be back next week. Um, myself and Joel. We might have a third member. We might not. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. English Dan is off for a couple of weeks. Um, I am yet yeah, taking a well-earned break from Handapod. This yeah. demanding schedule. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. enjoy that. Don't be down yourself. Well, you know, I think so. Um, and John, you're going to be back in England by the time. I'm going back to England next Monday, so you'll be able to hear me doing cricket commentary on testmatchsofa.com. Enjoy that. Thank um, you. And bon voyage. Um, <coughs> but for now, it's it's goodbye from uh, Joel Richards. Goodbye. Goodbye from special guest Jonathan Wilson. Goodbye. And thank you for turning up again as ever. Um, goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye.